<laughs> Hi and welcome to another episode of the Age of Enfrightenment podcast. My name is Nick and I'm one third of the three-headed Cerberus that hosts this show. I'm here with my fellow heads, Theo. I'm the head that gets to lick the crotch. <laughs> and Dave. I'm the foothead. I'm like, it's like there's a foot and a head attached to it and that's me. <laughs> that is 100% accurate. Dave. You're the you're the uh, central of intelligence here on this episode, and I think we're speaking about a very specific topic. We're not; it's not as general as we've generally gone. So, we're really excited to share it. But I think it's going to take a little bit of explaining, or actually, probably a lot of explaining up front. Dave's the guy who knows stuff on this episode, and Nick and I are along for the ride with you, the listeners. Right, we're here to lick the crotch, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> So, Dave, what are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about Hollow Earth. Now, if you guys aren't familiar with it, or if anyone listening isn't familiar with it, it's basically the theory that instead of a solid Earth with, like, the crample... Uh, <laughs> crample. <laughs> <laughs> the crample. No, the crample. <laughs> the crust and the mantle and the two inner cores, that the Earth is actually hollow. And there are a series of caverns that connect it, and inside of that Earth are potentially full civilizations. Wow. That's heavy. Yeah, that's, 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 that's real neato. Yeah, and I feel like people have probably heard about this in pop culture reference. I mean, I, I know about it because it was a plot point in one of the BPRD comics, that one of yes. the Hellboy comics. yeah. And there was like a race of like lizard men that lived below the surface. I think it shows up a lot, but I I would imagine a lot of people don't think of it any deeper than just a storytelling trope. I know that that's kind of how I felt about it for a long time. I, I think like the real central point of it becoming part of like popular culture was in Journey to the Center of the Earth by yeah. Um, that Jules was Warren. my first introduction to yeah, it. Yeah, I would imagine that makes sense. And, and then I just kind of figured everything was ripping off of that. Yeah. Now. What's interesting is Jules Verne wasn't the first person to he he didn't invent this theory. This has actually been around I did. for <laughs> Ed did. Ed invented it just now on this podcast, an AOE exclusive. You're welcome, Internet. <laughs> but it's actually vague smattering of this has been around for a long, long time. So it's a good band name. Thanks, Mattering. <laughs> we are Thanks, Mattering. One, two, three, four. So if we go back to ancient cultures, the Greeks had the underworld. The Nordics had one of their realms that was supposed to be the underworld. Uh, the fan favorite uh, hell uh, that comes up a lot. Ooh, I like that place. Brought forward by the Christians. The Jews have Sheol. And finally, the Buddhists have like a much more peaceful version of it. That's um, Shambhala or yeah. Shangri-La. Yeah. Multiple. And I mean, I'm skipping over a bunch. There's the Celtic and the germs and everything, but we'll get to them. But for a long time, there's been a through line weaved that all of these ancient cultures have similar theories about what's under our feet at any given time. If, we're, if we jump to, like, the Greeks for a moment, they have this small town on a peninsula in Greece. It's the town of Laconia. Stankonia. <laughs> it's Bombs where, of a bad dad. It's where Outcast was originally from. <laughs> they have a tavern called the Tavern of Teneri, or Teneron. This is actually supposed to be the place where Hades lived. It was supposed to be a link to the underworld. And what's interesting, in this town, there have been... There uh, was a shrine to Hades. The Spartans came in and set up all of these shrines and places of worship. And the Christians came in, as they do at a certain point, and right. established a very old church. And they say, oh, no, this is our house now. Yeah. <laughs> In mine. So when you say, so I got to ask, when you say this is where Hades lived, was it the gateway that led all the way down to him? Or was he that close to the surface where you could commune with Hades right in this place? He was supposed to be in this cave. Right. Now, whether or not this was a cave that led directly down or as the cave in Ireland will hit in a little bit, that it was a normal cave 
but upon Hades' request would open up to the underworld. Okay. Apparently, he did dwell somewhat close to the surface as to frequently come up. And, and copulate. <laughs> yeah, and, and do his thing. Like, right. Um, as we know, those Greek gods are wont to do from previous episodes. <laughs> but if we jump over to Ireland, there is a cave called Cruaquin that is a Gaelic name that like nobody can pronounce. Uh, Nobody can can pronounce Gaelic. It's a dumb language. (laughs) I mean, I bet some Irish people can. Or they at least say that they can. (laughs) It's just a big joke they play on everyone else. (laughs) There was never a language called Gaelic. (laughs) Listen, we speak the King's English on this podcast. (laughs) But this cave is supposed to go directly to hell. It is based in a six-kilometer area, a tiny little area in a pretty much smack in the middle of Ireland that is supposed to be home to over a hundred archeological dig sites. However, there is also a cave in those dig sites that at a certain point does turn into the mythic cave mentioned, the Croacran, that's supposed to lead directly to hell. Now for a very long time, there have been stories circling around that cave that strange and horrible things have been coming out at night and walking the landscape. Yeah. Yeah, and when I read that, like the first thing I thought of was Insamouth, the fictional H.P. Lovecraft village. As in the shadow over? I know that a lot of Lovecraft's shit came from outer space uh, initially, which, trust me, we will touch on later, (laughs) (laughs) but... You know, it's you can really see some inspiration. And then even jumping from Lovecraft to Neil Gaiman, a more modern day writer in a it was Shadows and Glass. Uh, yeah, Smoke and Mirrors Smoke is and a short Mirrors. story collection. I yeah. was close with and Shadows then, and yeah. Glass. Yeah, and then the, then the story in it is Shagoth sold peculiar. Yeah. 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 And it's supposed to be about an American traveler who finds the real Insamouth in Ireland. Yeah. So I've honestly wondered when I came across this, did Neil Gaiman not only draw inspiration from H.P. Lovecraft in that story, but from this cave? Absolutely. You Neil, <laughs> I mean, I don't think we would even have to ask. I mean, he's he's a big history buff, as I think a lot of fiction writers are, but I know this would be the kind of thing that's right up his alley because he likes to give people that notion that things are rooted in in things, places they could really visit and things that, that really happened. I got to ask, because you had mentioned this was the site in Ireland of over 100 uh, archaeological digs. Yeah. Is there any connection? Were people drawn to it because of the legend? or Because they're not those aren't things that are easy to fund, so that's a, a lot of digs for yeah, one place. Yeah, I know. Honestly, I don't know. Um, It probably helped them sell the idea, at least. (laughs) I'm sure it did. Uh, You know, and there's a very real possibility that there was at one point a Celtic civilization there. And, you know, whether it was around this cave exclusively because of the gates of hell or what have you, that there would be a lot of activity there as far as archaeological dig sites. Sure. What I do know is, and I, you know, I... Uh, excitedly texted you guys about this. My fiance Jen and I were planning our honeymoon. When I came across this on the research, I somehow convinced my very <laughs> rational and non-horror related fiance to take an hour long trip out of our honeymoon. It's about an hour drive because right. we're circling more or less <laughs> the entire south part of Ireland to go to this place. Right. And he means alone. He's sending Jenna into the cave. <laughs> yeah. She's going to report back. She comes back. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like n- next year I will have an update about this place cuz right. I'm going there and I'm going to that cave. And if I have to sacrifice Jenna, yeah. like, you know, I'll fucking do it. He might be single, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really cool and I know there's a lot more. So so what else about Civilizations, because like you said, there are a lot of similarities. So, how, where do yeah. these things kind of link together across the across the globe? So, there's a there's a couple more I want to hit. I want to hit Mexico. In Mexican folklore, long-standing Mexican folklore, there's a cave near Oinga that's supposed to have released basically everything bad 
that happens in Mexico. It's like very the, like the Mexican Pandora's box. Basically, <laughs> yeah, it's like these devilish creatures who are supposed to emerge from this cave. Now I know part of its Aztec folklore, the the Aztec underworld is Shabalba, and there's supposed to be like an actual cave entrance that they believe was the, the 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 gateway to the underworld. Yeah, and that's become, I don't know if it's the first, but uh, speaking of honeymoons and spooky things, when my wife and I were on our honeymoon, we went to Belize and we went cave tubing. And this was a really happy surprise for me as someone who's into spooky stuff. But when we went on this tubing expedition, we found out that the cave we were going into was called Zibalba, which was a term that I already knew as an as uh, Aztec word for hell. And they explained to us how that that's what it was believed to be. So we were deep in a rainforest and it's sort of level. You don't go deep down to the cave because a river runs through it. But there is a point about halfway through the journey where it opens into a massive cavern with these just enormous ceilings with stalagmites hanging down, very tiny holes of light kind of poking through. And from what we could see, it seemed just completely immense, like unspeakably immense from the inside. And it wouldn't be a big stretch of the imagination to find somebody, uh, you know, hundreds or thousands of years ago going down that river and believing that they found the gates or the actual location of hell. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they're, just to, like, quickly run through <clears throat> some of the cultures that reference this in some way, the ancient Mesopotamians, so going back, Real, real far. Right. Like the first, real, first men. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hindu, uh, the Tiano in Cuba, the Germans. Uh, there's a Russian tribe called the Sagnit, the Brazilian Indians. And then even here in the U.S., the Native Americans, there's quite a few tribes, uh, specifically the Mandan people, have a theory that they emerged from caves within the earth. All right, so there was an expedition in 1781, a Leclerc Melfort. Leclerc. <laughs> Which is French for Leclerc. He led hundreds of Creek Indians uh, to a cave near Red River. The Creeks believed they emerged from the ground. And Milford, on his expedition, claimed that he encountered caverns, caverns on that expedition that could hold fifteen to 20,000 people. Wow. There are uh, scientists, or pseudoscientists, I guess you could say, from the 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries who all have theories about Hollow Earth. However, they're in between all of that, there have been smatterings of people who claim to have not only found the entrance to Hollow Earth, but have visited it themselves. So, you know, what I wanted to put forward to you guys is what caused so many cultures separated by so much distance and so much time to all come up with somewhat similar theories about what's under our feet. Right. So putting on my amateur anthropologist hat, just thinking about the first thing that comes to mind. It's a I, very nice hat, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was cheap too. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you my hat, guy. Oh, cool. Um, so I think about the fossil record. We're finding fossils, but we weren't the first people who did. We can put those things in context. We can carbon date them. But people have been digging into the earth as long as there's been civilization or some form of agriculture, even. So it's not a stretch to think that people might have dug deeper than other people in their culture, maybe been the first to find bones of either humans or dinosaurs, things that they simply couldn't have explained how it got there, tombs that they didn't put there. And if your notion of the planet is limited to the land that you can see, finding things beneath you could only lead to thinking that maybe there's so much more below you and that those things are coming up from the top as opposed to they were once on the ground and then put below. So maybe it's the sense that the underworld is you, the only evidence you really need are bones that you could find deep in the ground. The way I see it is, you know, if you're a person from an ancient culture with no real understanding of how the universe works and how planets work, you know, that there is anything besides Earth. You know, there's the sky, which is completely 
unknowable, but there's the grounds and there's clear evidence. Like Nick said, there's fossils. There's clear evidence that there's something living in at one point inside of there. And there's caves. There's points where they can actually journey into the earth. And I think now in modern times, we've been able to go down maybe like seven, eight miles below the surface. Yeah. And at a certain point, it just becomes magma and it's just unnavigatable. But even if you just go down one mile, that's for a person. That's incredibly far. Yeah. Because when you talk about those seven or eight miles, that's just drills. Yeah. yeah that's not that's not us. We haven't ventured that yeah. far. Yeah. And I mean, everybody's got to come from somewhere. So if you take away the idea of planets, you know, the from from you know the sky somewhere else, the the grounds which you have left. And I mean, you know, there's you're just talking about a river underground. So there's water underground. Yeah. So that's oh, where yeah. there is water, there is life. Everybody. Exactly. That's something that we instinctively have known throughout civilization. Oh yeah, and that was my thought too. You know, we so often in this day and age look to the sky with wonder as this great unexplored frontier. Uh, some of the ancient civilizations, who very much did look to the sky in the sense of like Greek gods and such, however, the caves were present they were always something that you could see. So the sense of wonder that humanity has always shown really lends itself to this as an explanation as to where we came from and what else is down there. The idea of seeing a, a creek run into the ground, you have to imagine a ancient civilization who maybe has a little bit less of a scientific background than we do thinking that has to go somewhere and that must go somewhere for a reason. The other thing is actually journeying into these caves can be incredibly dangerous. After a certain point, the oxygen in a cave can become, uh, can go way out of sync with the nitrogen in the air. Uh, there can be a buildup of carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide, something that can cause hallucinations after a little while. So it wasn't too far-fetched to think that somebody journeying down into the earth could possibly see some, well, fucking horrifying right. things, or they could think that they would found uh, the gates to hell. Yeah, and when you talk about air quality, that makes me think of stories that we have of the Yeti in, in Himalayas and things like that. Same thing, the oxygen is low. There are scientific things that we know about our planet that mess with your brain chemistry, and going deep below the ground is absolutely one of those so that's, it's hard for us to scoff at the ideas that people once had that's a really good point um thanks <laughs> so have, have you guys ever heard of lake vostok do you guys know what that is it sounds vaguely familiar i'm sure you've read about it at some point so it's a subterranean lake in antarctica and it's um like thirteen thousand feet under Neath an ice shelf. Wow. So Jesus. it's like two miles plus right. underneath this shelf of ice. And like they've scientists have been able to like send like, you know, probes down. They've been able to like bring back water samples, things like that. And at some point, this lake was not covered in ice, you know, before the, you know, continental shift. And they know because they've been able to send down probes, they know that it's fresh water. So they don't have any definitive proof, but it's theorized that there could be living organisms sure. in this lake and it's not just like a little pool it's a like gigantic lake yeah and it would be hard to imagine that there aren't we have things like tardigrades that are actual organisms that can survive basically the most hostile conditions oh, yeah that they you like can bleed arsenic. yeah like they have nothing to do with us yeah they're basically right. aliens i mean we've if there's one thing we've proven through biological studies as a species is that Life has adapted to everything Earth has thrown at them. There are creatures that live inside of active volcanoes. Life uh, finds <laughs> a way. Basically, what we're saying is there's a bunch of ice skating dinosaurs living <laughs> in, a, in a lake two miles below right, Antarctica. Right, but like, it's, not, it's not completely outside the realm of possibility that there are things that can live and thrive sure. in an underground sure. environment. Oh, yeah, and you know that's where we get into like the more pseudoscience version of hollow earth theory. This came about in like late 1600s, early 1700s. 
the introduction of the inner sun and the hollow earth was put forward. Uh, Ed, who was that? It was... It was... Uh, Jules. I, well, what, you mean the scientist? Or? Yeah, the scientist. It wasn't, I, it wasn't Sims. Yeah, no, it was uh, Edmund Haley, actually. Edmund who, Haley. Who discovered Haley's Comet. Yeah, like an actual scientist put forth this uh, theory and really sparked a lot of the hollow earth theory that still survives to today. Listen, just because you're a scientist and you're smart doesn't mean that you're not also full of shit. Right. Because, well, oh, I yeah. mean, Isaac well, Newton died with, like, an alchemy lab in oh, his yeah. he, attic. And he was so much more interested in that than he was in the things that we actually know him for. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever, like, gravity and all that bullshit, but check this shit out. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. make gold. Yeah, so some <laughs> of, like, the people we think of as being the smartest people ever are also into some weird stuff. Well, oh, and by yeah. their nature, it's curiosity. It's the yeah. 1600s. The first, any... Yeah, Look at Tesla. Yeah, well, and any study starts out with with a hypothesis that always sound crazy. I mean, if if he was right, he would be one of the greatest champions of our time, not for Halley's Comet, but for this. People yeah. be like, could you imagine? We would all be sitting here thinking the Earth's core was full of fire oh, yeah. if, if, we, if he didn't shed the truth. What a bunch of assholes. <laughs> and, you know, that's what's interesting is, you know, a lot of this took place between the 1600s and today. Specifically, the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, 1900s. Between 16 and 18 was supposed to be a real enlightened period for us. It's when we made a lot of scientific breakthroughs. This theory survived a lot longer than it should have. There are still die-in-the-wool believers to this today. This theory that Edward put forward... Yeah, Edmund. Edmund. (laughs) is basically that the Earth is hollow and has several rotating spheres. Each one of these has a separate true north and true south, and in the middle is an inner sun. The inner sun is supposed to basically be a version of Earth's core that actually allows life to be sustained underneath the ground. So, you you know, the first thought that anyone would have about things under the earth is like what are they mole people like they just live in pure darkness right according to this theory no there was an internal sun in the earth and that was enough to sustain life it made a full atmosphere inside of the earth which let's face it that's not terribly far off from what we know now it is the core as far as we absolutely are sure of is full of molten iron and nickel it's it's a burning it's not gaseous but because it's a liquid but there is heat vibrating yeah. from inside the earth. I mean there are things about this that he wasn't way out of left field on. Yeah, and he he later shed the multiple rotating spheres thing, but he was using that as a reason why there are uh, magnetic anomalies when using yeah. a compass, how certain parts uh, when you walk over them seem to basically drive a compass insane, like it completely loses its bearing, uh, even if it's just for a moment. He theorized that that happened because there were basically two more spheres below us that Mm. were in constant rotation, and that there was a very real possibility that their true magnetic north was off-throwing our magnetic north. Right, so it's like picking up a signal from somebody else's radio or with your antenna yeah. or something. It's like you get a little too close to an object and suddenly you're getting a different reading. So, so just to get a visual on this, uh, it sounds like he kind of theorized that the world was set up like a Russian nesting doll. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> basically, yeah. That's exactly when yeah. I read that. That's the first thing that popped into my okay, head. Okay, and this sounds like this is a lot of the basis for journeying to the center of the Earth. Well, and also consider, and, and this predates this by centuries, but consider the similar theme in Dante's Inferno with the, yeah, with the yeah. light, with the levels of hell. He was quite literally, uh, Dante in the story, going beneath the earth to go through nine different realms of hell, each basically like a crust of its own, just yeah. layer, mm-hmm. layer after layer. And, you know, this same scientist theorized that the escaping gas created the northern lights, mm. the Aurora uh, Borealis. Borealis. Yeah. Um, which... You know, doing the research and looking at this, he was just like any scientist looking for a way to explain things in the natural world. 
why compasses sometimes freak out and why there are mysterious lights in the sky. Today, we're like, that is a crazy theory. Um, it was a possible answer. Right. And I feel like that could be a lot crazier, too, because um, I'm going to guess just from the way we've been talking about it, like it sounds like he's not saying that there's civilizations. Oh, no, he did. And this is oh, going to get okay. super he did. crazy. All right. Statement, <laughs> statement retracted. He did. But and I think what, what we'll roll into off of Edmund Haley and into other people. I know Dave will talk about one of the big guys on this. But you mentioned the North Pole and the South Pole where there are similar anomalies like the Northern Lights only down there. It's the Aurora Australis. It's the Southern Lights. Um, Those things happen because of the magnetism of the poles. We know that now magnetism also plays a huge role in how compasses work. So those ends become very important about what people theorize because the North and South Pole become key gateways into the Earth's crust. Yeah, we're actually, that's a good jumping off point. We're going to talk about John Cleve Sims, who came along in the 1800s. He was like the, the next big puzzle piece falling into place with Hollow Earth. He was originally being heralded as the Newton of the West, which is a pretty bold fucking accusation. Right, yeah. Um, in that he was crazy. <laughs> so... Yeah. <laughs> He put forth a very similar theory, except he ditched the rotating spheres and said that there were openings at the North and South Poles, like at the very, very top and the very, very bottom, where you could actually enter Hollow Earth. He also firmly believed that there were full societies down there. Like, you can pull up maps and globes that he made, uh claiming that there was absolutely living civilizations mm-hmm. down So is there. this where we get Agartha from? Uh, yes. Eventually, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yes. Like, on the maps, yes. Okay. Like, now, and, and was he one who claimed to have been, or was this based on geological research, or, or is he a true believer in the sense that he's like, no, I met these people, they're down there. Okay, he <laughs> never claimed to have met them. Okay. He was he was a very big fan of Edmonds, uh, was very interested in his work, and through his version of science, thought it must be true. What so he, he was just writing fan fiction. Basically. <laughs> Fucking he was nerd. Just geeking out on Haley. <laughs> but he wrote a book that talked about Hollow Earth. And in the eighteen hundreds, he sent a copy to every goddamn government in the world. Mm-hmm. He sent copies of his book to all four corners. This would be like the 1800s version of like sending an email blast and just spamming everybody. <laughs> like he sent them everywhere. He received some backlash. However, his response to the backlash was to basically launch an ad campaign with hundreds of newspapers that brought the theory of hollow earth into the public eye. The goal of him doing this is he wanted funding basically to do an expedition to the North pole to find hollow earth. Right. He didn't feel like he needed to convince the governments. He just needed to convince people to pay for him to go. So he's, he's, he's essentially crowdsourcing. He was opening his (laughs) Patreon and saying like, Hey, I got this idea. Who wants me to check it out? Well, initially he sent it to all the governments and very much like get on board with this. This is, uh, this is going to be the biggest scientific breakthrough of the millennia. Right. When a lot of, and now I say a lot, not all of the governments were like, go fuck yourself. Um, he kind of like tried it in the public. Which was so unbelievably smart of him to not just be crushed under the weight of, Oh yeah. uh, Of the, you know, the heights of power and just say like, I'm going to democratize this shit. Like you're not going to hear the end of hollow earth until you actually send me there. Yeah. And now what crazy person would believe that, right? Like that's such (laughs) an out there theory. John Quincy Adams, the president really. Yeah. That's awesome. Became (laughs) absolutely obsessed with the idea of a hollow earth so much. So this went through the government like it had to. And, and by the way, uh, we approved it. It was Andrew Jackson, the next president. Who oh, well, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Who stomped it the <laughs> hell out. But John Quincy Adams, uh, was so convinced by Sims 
that he not only offered to get funding for the expedition, he actually had the foreign relations department in on the briefings because he thought, according to Sims, there's going to be people down there and we're going to want to set up trade with them. Right. Oh my God. Like, so yeah, yeah, no, this, this like went through the ringer. Like this was talked about in Congress. Honestly, that, that was always customary in exploration to be prepared to encounter native peoples. It's probably, it probably couldn't hurt to be ready for that. You know, like at that point, if you're already paying for it, I'd be like, look, just in case he's right, let's make a whole contingency plan in case there are people down there. Oh, yeah. No, he he thought this was going to be essential because I guess like money talks bullshit walks like (laughs) has just been an unshakable truth forever. (laughs) But I mean, yeah, no, a a sitting president of the United States. um, What was he? The eighth president? Uh, No, earlier than that, wasn't he? He Um, was either the seventh or the eighth. Yeah. Um, I think maybe seventh because Jackson was eighth. I, well, yeah. I mean, it's just great to know that no president ever since has believed any sort of crazy. <laughs> Thank God that's over with. Oh, God, I'm dying inside. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, this this was something that our government, like the U.S. government, uh, was prepared to fund. We yeah. believed in it that strongly, or at least, you know, the, the guy in charge was right. like, I believe in this very strongly. So he actually, so he went then, or he tried to go. He tried to go okay. until old Hickory, like Andrew Jackson, came in and right. said, "So he Fuck never you, actually, he never thing. actually had his pole expedition." No, he died fully believing right. that he missed the greatest discovery of the century. He's a poor bastard. I guess it's better than finding out he was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that would have been much more upsetting. But <laughs> these these holes at the north and south, by the way, they, they, this is just an aside. They're called Sims holes. And that's like my favorite <laughs> name for anything ever. I love that that's what he left behind him. He really yeah. thought, I'm going to leave behind the greatest name in science and all we have left <laughs> is Sims holes. <laughs> I mean, the, the idea of a scientific expedition to the Arctic to find a lost civilization is you know in science fiction that's a big deal you know that's yeah. that's, that's oh, yeah. um mountains of madness right there yeah well um, so many things that have completely ripped up ripped off of that and i think what has surprised me through what dave has told us so far is how much reality even up into the 1800s the birth of our nation this goes because i always just took it as well started in mythology and we passed it on and we kind of commercialized it and now we have disney movies about atlantis and we have all these different things i never dawned on me that people actually tried to go looking for oh it. Yeah. yeah no lot lots of people did um that being said we're gonna jump forward to the 19th century which in my notes just says the 1900s, the nuts come out of the woodwork. (laughs) Um, The 1900s is when this really started to pick up steam. Again, we are now 300 years in. Right. And people are still really fighting for this. Right. And it's growing. So there is a huge number of names. However, some of the key features are... The explorer Ferdinand Osindowski in 1922 claimed to have found a subterranean kingdom called Agardi. George Papashevel in 1940, you guys are going to like this, he claims under the Kavaskis Mountains, he found skeletons with heads as big as bushel baskets. I have... Absolutely no reference for how big a bushel basket is. <laughs> it's 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 about uh like it, like a bushel of like yeah like apples. a bushel of or, apples. Okay. Think about like a a large tree trunk. Oh yeah, that's a big ass head. Dave is now holding up a bushel <laughs> to give us a frame of reference. Yeah, Dave has brought this, his bushel. With I bring us. this everywhere just in case I have to explain. <laughs> so he claimed that he found these skeletons that were kind of like us, except with gigantic heads, like huge, and that one of the men of his expedition went down the cave and just never came back. Wow. So, I mean, that, like, that sounds Lovecraftian in nature. Like, finding this 
you know, because the ancient civilization still living under the surface is supposed to be a big, big component of right. this. Now, in 1907, Lady Pagnet, who was a famous spiritualist. Lady Pagnet, <laughs> the spiritualist. And president of the United States. <laughs> believed that there was a city beneath a desert where the people of Atlantis moved. Mm. Now we're going to talk about Hitler. <laughs> Yay! God, it has been far too many episodes since his name was even spoken. Hitler, and more specifically Himmler. Yeah. Which, like, if sense. you don't, if you're not familiar with Himmler, think of the creepy guy in Indiana Jones who wears all black and accidentally burns his hand uh, trying to find the Ark of the Covenant. That was, like, kind of an analog to Himmler. Sure. He was... He was the... He was the spooky guy. Yeah. Think of that one, like, kind of smelly poor kid in grade school who would just blatantly make shit up. Why does he have to be poor? Because that kid was always poor. Now think of that... Were you now that, that kid? Ki- no, I wasn't that kid. I wasn't poor or smelly. And I didn't make shit up. Okay, but think of that kid, and now think about him having the ear of the most powerful and evil man in yeah. Europe. Just some sniveling little, like, mm, yes, there's people beneath the earth. Oh, yeah. We can and, control it. And them. Hitler was no skepticist, either. No, yeah. he was he, big into the occult. Literally... Anything you're about to tell me, I will believe because I have a good understanding of like the Nazi obsession with the occult and fringe yeah. science. So that's oh, yeah. that's an episode in and of itself. So yeah, but Himmler thoroughly believed in this. Part of this story, he was supposed to have led expeditions or at least sanctified, sanctioned. Expedition. Yeah. I sanctify <laughs> this expedition. Well, Hitler was also like the Pope of Germany. Yeah. He was just the top of everything at yeah. the time. So trying to find uh, the inner earth. And, y- you know, the fact that 1907 Lady Pagnet, going back to her, said right. that this is uh, where. Lady Pagnet. The, Sucking on the Pagnet. Where, <laughs> <laughs> where the inhabitants of the ancient city of Atlanta were supposed to have gone. Atlantis. Atlantis. Yeah, that's, that one's in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, now, there's Childish no, Gambino has a really good show about no it. There's no such thing as Atlanta. <laughs> You're not going to convince me otherwise. Anyway, back to Hollow Earth. The Aryans believed that they were descended from the inhabitants of Atlantis. That was mm. supposed to be like the purest blood, blonde-haired, blue eyes. That's where the Aryans were supposed to have been from. Mm-hmm. So you can understand why Himmler and Hitler were so goddamn obsessed with finding right. the lost tribe of Atlantis. Right. And this is another moment where I'm almost frustrated by the fact that there's even the slightest shred of scientific like reality to it because it would make sense that ground-dwelling people would have lighter skin and hair because yeah. they would have less melanin right. without being exposed to the sun. So even that is like, well, you're not right, <laughs> but if you were, that would make sense. <laughs> like, that's where all of the pa- the pasty, you know, blonde people would come from. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And I mean, this was fueled also in 1943. Carl Unger is a German sailor that was part of a U-boat expedition to the South Pole. They actually claimed that they found an underwater tunnel that led to hollow earth to the inner earth Mm -hmm. and that you know we'll touch on this later but i mean the hollow earth although some cultures have it as you know the gates of hell or where bad things come from where the monsters are other cultures like unfortunately the nazis believe that it was like a paradise full of woolly mammoths and animals and civilizations that i guess because when i think of paradise i think of woolly mammoths too (laughs) (laughs) You ever just want to, like, wake up and have, like, a woolly mammoth just in bed next to you? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm also imagining, because you had said that they claim to have been there, and we all know that throughout the history of exploration on Earth, people have made crucial mistakes, like Columbus landing in America and thinking he was in India, and therefore everyone's an Indian. I'm just imagining Germans thinking they've cracked through the center and they really just landed in South Africa. Yeah. And, they're like, and that's where we get apartheid from. Just all these dumb Germans who think they found the center of the earth. 
there's claims of, of we've been there and I just wonder how much of it is just total bullshit and how much of it is mental gymnastics oh, of yeah. people trying to convince themselves that what they saw must without a doubt be what they were looking for. But let's just take a really awkward moment where we all dwell upon the fact that John Quincy Adams, the president of the United States and Adolf Hitler had something in common. You mean besides uh, besides casual racism? <laughs> I'm sorry, systemic I racism? Yeah, I don't think Hitler's racism was very casual. <laughs> well, I'm sure on like an everyday level when he's just yeah. chatting with his buddies. You no, know, he was just passively racist. <laughs> you can also see the appeal to people in power who they want to control things and they think, well, if I could just have the ear of the gods that live beneath the earth, then everything would be cool. But I wonder if he ever considered the idea of getting there, introducing himself and his people and saying, we're taking over the whole world. It's going to be great. And not having sort of like an engineers and Prometheus moment where they're just like, fuck you. And they just kind of like wipe them out of existence. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll peel another layer off the crazy onion. There are modern theories that Hitler actually escaped with his top lieutenants into Hollow Earth at the end of World War II and is still living there today. That is like a popular conspiracy theory. Right, which I think is backed up by, well, not backed up, but... 100% Yeah, not backed up, but fueled by a, a big through line of this that I saw looking into it, which is that the people who live beneath the earth's crust are not only much larger and more intelligent than us, but that they live much longer lives. Like the, the food will sustain you better. Health is better because they live longer. They're more scientifically advanced than us. So even though Hitler by human terms should be dead by now anyway, <laughs> shouldn't have even gotten started. <laughs> But now that he's de- now that he's down there, you could see theorists saying, "Well, like, oh, well, everybody down there lives for like 200, 300 years, so they just did some kind of experiment on him, and now he's gonna oh, it's live the search down there. for paradise and the fountain of youth. It right. will never change. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's we 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 laid a decent foundation. You know, we can definitely talk about some modern instances of Hollow Earth. I mean, fuck, in 2005, there was supposed to be an expedition to the North Pole using two 500-ton ships. Wow. The guy who was leading it had to drop out and die. Um, <laughs> they found, That's usually a good reason they to found drop out of something. six inoperable tumors in his head. Oh, my God. The, Which, you know, conspiracy theorists unite. Oh guys God, going to yeah. look for the center of the Earth. and The guy who took his place had to step down because his chief investor pulled all the funding because the of next, the tumors in his head. <laughs> the next guy apparently went missing. Yeah, uh, yeah. like the the it was supposed it was suddenly turning into like what unseen force or is as, keep, is keeping them away. Oh yeah, and you know, pick a card. Uh aliens, the actual inner earth, the government, the international bankers. I've heard right. all of them. Um, and there's so, and there's every possible version of what's down there too, because we've talked a lot about ancient civilizations, but there are also theories of giants, uh, kaiju, of aliens, just any anything that is other and terrifying. People have theorized that they're down there, and yeah. that not only that they're down there, but almost with without question, several steps ahead of us, which I think is interesting because that. That's very different to what we think of in like Marvel comics of like the Mole Man, like people who live in the earth being kind of primitive and being sort of sniveling, like inferior creatures that live mm-hmm. in the dark. Yeah. It seems like the bulk of the theories are actually the complete opposite of that. It's like a land full of angels and sort of perfect beings that are more advanced than we are. Oh, yeah. It's definitely the more popular theory. I, I personally love the the monsters lingering in the darkness beneath the earth right just Um, waiting to awaken i don't love that i hate that (laughs) (laughs) you know and that being said let's talk about how some of this has crossed over into because i mean again we can cite a million goddamn things from today fantasy writers and science fiction writers exploded over this idea there are more stories about the center of the earth and getting there from Jules Verne all the way up to Laird Baron. 
but you can still see the impact of this lingering. You know, we talked about H.P. Lovecraft briefly, and I know that you're into Laird Baring. You read The Croning. Yeah. Old Leech is supposed to inhabit the cracks of the earth. Yeah. There are caves and slangos, the dolomites, the, the dolomins that connect everything. Mm-hmm. Writers are still just enthralled by this idea of there being terrible or wonderful things beneath the earth, the idea of the old gods. And I find it fascinating. Yeah, well, it's like uh, to a certain extent, the what's going on beneath us is the same as like what's going on above us in space. To a certain level, we're just not going to know. Mm. And we that can't just, debunk it yet. Right. right? And yeah. that just really grips people's imaginations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I think you talked about Journey to the Center of the Earth, and that really popularized it and put it in the in the psyche. But this has, I mean, look out for it, because it has permeated every level of entertainment, every level of literature. I know in the most recent years, if you've seen Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs, <laughs> the characters uh, find dinosaur eggs, and they, which leads them to uh, all crack and, you know, the, it's either a cave or something like that. And they basically fall into the earth. And when they get there, all of the dinosaurs, which should be extinct by the time of the woolly mammoth and things, are alive. And it's a direct link to those writers being equally fascinated. They were writing a kid's movie, but they wanted to tap into something people already kind of vaguely believe right. well, is a Well, they just cool did a, um, a remake of Journey to the Center of the Earth with Brendan Fraser a couple years back. Yeah. It was like 3D and it was like a pretty big deal. Yeah, they did that. Um, I know one that I I mentioned, uh, and I think Theo, have, have you read EarthX? I think you. Did oh yeah, 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 I've read EarthX. So that's another one where the first time I read it, it, it instantly put this idea of Hollow Earth in my mind, even though it's a slightly different take because it's not about a civilization. But the basic idea of how it ends. Spoiler alert: Turn off if you want if you want to read it. Um, is that the Earth is really just an egg for a celestial, which is a massive heavenly being, and it's sleeping beneath the Earth's crust. And we as humans are essentially, uh, what's we're like white blood cells. We're, we're here purposefully to basically keep the Earth going long enough for this thing to crack, destroy the Earth in the process, and come out. And that has much more of like a kaiju feel to it. But either way, it's the sense that the inside of the earth has much more of a purpose than simply being full of rock and, and molten lava. That's actually a story thread that was picked up in Jonathan Hickman's run on shield in like 2010, which if you're a big conspiracy buff, that's the comic for you because it's all about like the origins of like the shield organization. But, uh, the main bad guy in it is Isaac Newton (laughs) and, um, what's it called? Uh, Tesla, and Leonardo da Vinci are two of the heroes in it. But yeah, it gets into the idea of like Earth being the celestial, uh, wow, the celestial yeah, egg at the center awesome. of the Earth. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's a big deal in, in horror. You know, Dave brought up Lovecraft, the idea of monsters below the surface. That's rats in the walls. That's yeah. a, a big focus of that. And that story is like, I think of all of Lovecraft's stories, something about that one gets me the most. Oh, yeah. Well, also think about the mound where mm-hmm. there is a mound uh, of like just basically a hill. Mm-hmm. The main character goes inside it and there is an incredibly advanced civilization deep beneath the earth that has far more advanced science. They're horrific because they're monsters. <laughs> yeah, they're basically monsters, except they can speak. They're somewhat humanoid. But like, for instance, they ride horses that were a splice between humans and horses, so they have vaguely human features you to them. I haven't read this one. Oh, yeah. I no, don't think I've read this either. Yeah, no. it's terrifying. And, you know, th- this is something that is going to continue to be an inspirational spark for writers, specifically horror writers, for a long, long, long well, time. Well, I mean, like, you know, even super recently, um, was it um, 
the 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 monster verse that they're doing with that legendary's doing with Godzilla and yeah, King Kong. Yeah. That's and specifically Hollow Earth theory. That's in the um, Absolutely the uh, Kong Skull Islands, which came out this spring, like they specifically mentioned that by name. Oh yeah. And, and you know, that's the idea is that like these kaiju, the these giant monsters are surviving. They're the ancient creatures that are surviving on the inside of the earth in these caverns and something right. down there is turning them gigantic. Right. Well, it's the, it's the radioactivity. And that seems to be sort of a through line of a lot of these things is that when in this place where the elements are clearly different. So whether you go with the real science and you believe there's less oxygen, or if you're a kook and you think maybe there's more either way, you believe that things are so different that it's going to create everything huge. And then there's also I think the dumb common sense angle that people try to go with, which is the surface of the earth is, it is so thin. The inside is massive beyond Mm, belief. So the things that live down there must be equally massive. That seems to be a given. Basically nobody's really proposed anything otherwise. Let's, um, let's talk about physics for a second. (laughs) Let's talk about gravity. This is, this is where we're going to separate a little bit. If you haven't, picked up yet none of us are actually believers in hollow earth i don't know i'm getting convinced yeah it wasn't an hour ago (laughs) (laughs) i had to look at you and like take the many years of knowing you and reading your face to like see if you were serious or not i don't know john quincy adams and hitler they can't (laughs) both be wrong (laughs) john quincy tested hitler approved (laughs) but so the first I'm going to talk about a little bit of bunk science. Basically, the idea is that upon the Big Bang, that the Earth was spinning. Bazinga. So, oh, no. I've seen that show. Uh, and this will be our last episode. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. The Bazinga. Earth was, I'm just going to pile <laughs> through. Said it again. <laughs> the Earth was spinning so quickly that all of the solid matter gravitated out towards the outside, leaving a large hollow space on the inside. That is... That makes me so mad. (laughs) Because it's almost accurate how that would work. It's accurate if you think of planetary bodies moving as if they were in a gravitron. Well, exactly. (laughs) There's just enough actual science in there to make it stupid Well, when I shake things up, you know, when I shake up my mustard, all of it clings to the edges. I can tell you what it is. It's taking the basic properties of centrifugal force and applying it on a planetary level, which it just doesn't work quite like that. Right. And ignoring... And you're right. If you look at it just based on that, sure, makes yeah. sense. But it, you're ignoring all of the other factors. It's like exactly. saying, how can there be global warming if it's snowing outside right, right. now? Right. Well, exactly. yeah, precisely. <laughs> now, if we're talking about real tried and tested science, there are a couple of things that really disprove hollow earth theory. The first and simplest version is gravity just doesn't work like that. No. No, and we know that the way that that the Earth formed was because of gravity, because of loose pieces that have broken off from other bodies sort of congealing because of the way that they revolved and the way that they rotated, and that mass is the greatest uh, mass of object in space is going to draw other things in towards it. So you couldn't really have a heavenly body as large as a planet, especially not ours, that could be hollow inside because yeah. everything would be attracted to each other. It's going to form a core no matter what, to the point where even the gas giants like Saturn and Jupiter, we believe that they have a solid core somewhere inside just based on what we know about how things attract. All of the solid objects in that area would come to the center. So right. that's what we've based our core upon. And the, the gravity causes pressure. The gravity causes pressure to the core. So that's how... Right. You know, that's how diamonds form. It's sediment being, you know, yeah, it's, that's just it's, time and, you know, pressure right. forcing down on it. And so. we can feel that. I mean, people should know a little bit probably about the bends, which is a phenomenon that happens when you dive too deep under the ocean. We know that that mass amount of pressure on our own bodies can basically make us implode yeah. at a certain level. So it really it should stand to even common sense as opposed to science that yeah. that pressure is going to draw things further inward and not pr- 
press them outward. Now, you could be saying, well, gravity is a theory. You could now. <laughs> you could say the, that. Nah, man, Isaac Newton invented it when he the <laughs> apple. When he invented apples. And he ate an it apple. It was a byproduct and of apples. had an idea about gravity. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing that's like uh, mathematically nearly impossible to prove is how seismic activity penetrates through the Earth. Right. We obviously have seismic locations all over the Earth. We know how the crust moves. We have instruments everywhere that tell us every time the Earth shakes in certain places. We can actually calculate how long it takes a tremor to not just go around the crust of the Earth, but to actually show up on the other side. Mm. Through a very complex equation, it is impossible for the Earth to be hollow based on how long it takes that tremor right, how it travels, to get yeah. through. Not to mention the problem with hollow Earth seismically is if there was an earthquake, the Earth would bounce like a fucking snare drum. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just... It, yeah, it could would. you imagine the vibration? Like, go hit any hollow object. Also, I feel like the 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 upper mantle would be a lot thinner than we imagined it to be, so there'd be cracks that would form eventually. So we've had some pretty serious earthquakes. Yeah. So at some point, it would just kind of, like, mm. crumble. Yeah, you And know, you'd be able to look was... down to the hole and see all the dinosaurs. <laughs> now, the... And Hitler. The pro- <laughs> riding a dinosaur. Oh, God, that's everyone's In worst nightmare. <laughs> you know, the... The problem is with any kind of conspiracy, it doesn't matter how much science you put forward because you're always going to be able to pull out a factor and say, well, what about this? Where in any court of law, it's like you showed up, uh, the police showed up, you were covered in blood, holding a knife, there was a dead body in front of you. You looked (laughs) at the cops and said, I did it. And it's like, well, wait a minute. How do you know he wasn't hypnotized and just said, like, there's always going to be <laughs> a gonna be factor. There's going to be some kind of out. Right. Like, so, that being said. Well, and I think even beyond that, there's there's those things people believe what they want to believe. But honestly, every theory exists so long as people are still interested in it. And we've already talked about how writers, sci-fi writers have have lost zero steam, if not gained a lot. And as long as people think it's interesting and write fiction about it, there will be nonfiction interpretations. It's just, yeah. it's just a and, fact of the way we live. And I think a lot of, you know, in 2017, the people that still hold to this theory, you know, mostly just crazy people on YouTube, uh, they, it's, it's their, there's an element of sticking your head in the sand. You know, it's you pick and choose the science that you like that backs up your theory and you ignore all of the rest of it, yeah. no matter how compelling and how much of it is. I mean, there's still people that think that the earth is flat. Well, not a lot, but they're still up like famous people. <laughs> this, yeah. this is the beautiful part of hollow earth. We know that the Earth is not flat. There are literally, you have to ignore images from space. You have to come up with very long explanations of why the Earth looks like a sphere from space. Well, NASA faked the pictures as well. You have to ignore the ability to circumnavigate the globe. The reason for (laughs) the seasons. Like, there's a lot you have to ignore. With Hollow Earth... Santa's the reason for the season. (laughs) No, Jesus (laughs) is the reason for the season. As you mentioned before, Ed, the furthest down we've drilled is eight miles. What are you doing? He's doing the eight miles. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> it took me a second. I was waiting too. for you to jump in and start spitting some some bars. Palms are sweaty. Mom's spaghetti. Uh, but <laughs> spaghetti creepy pasta. Yay! <laughs> it all comes together. But you know, a, a conspiracy. Theorists take like the Missouri kind of like show me mentality. Um, unfortunately, until we drill all the way through the goddamn earth, they're not going to accept that the earth is not hollow. And even if and we even do, then, because then we're only drilling down at one point. Yeah, it's going to be well. You must have just hit one of the not. Yeah, hollow. well, I mean, uh, like, you, you hit the wrong the good side. part. Yeah. So you know, this is scientifically untrue. Yeah. However, it's amazing for a few reasons. Again, it survived four centuries of scientific research right. saying no 
and right. people, some of which very smart, very powerful, still saying yes. Yeah. And laying down large sums of money to prove it and find it. Yeah, because it'd be awesome if it was true. Yeah, well, it's exactly. not, but how cool would yeah, it be if and, it was? And that funds so many of our things. We know so much more about, and we know uh, we know so much less about dinosaurs than we could, and yet we know so much more about them, general population-wise, than basically any other creature that has lived on our planet before us because they're fucking cool, and that's what's going to fuel this. There's always going to be some oh, bored yeah. billionaire who's like. Yeah, let's go see what's down there. <laughs> I don't believe in hollow earth, even for a second. That being said, I'm taking five to six hours out of my honeymoon <laughs> to go to the gates of hell in a cave. <laughs> like, it's just, it's such an, intri- I mean, mostly I just want to see the cave. <laughs> it's such like, th- there is always going to be a spark of creativity that people are going to jump on. And even though it's not scientifically accurate, it's just amazing that we have something like this going all the way back from Mesopotamia, yeah. the Sumerians. Yeah, the first people the who today. communicated with each other yeah. <laughs> with language. Like that we talked about this. That literally means that the idea of hollow earth predates Judeo-Christianity. Yeah. It predates probably civilization it's probably it probably predates or at least agriculture you know it probably pre- it's it seems like a gut feeling that people just have always had and that's gonna be i would imagine impossible to root out i don't think there's any number of science or like you said any depth that we could drill that will ever pull this out and because of that i think it's ultimately a good thing because the conspiracy theorists as far as i can tell have been harmless yeah i was i was absolutely just <laughs> yeah. about to say that in terms of conspiracy theories this one is relatively yeah. you know non-damaging this is a pretty safe ball pit, pit to jump in no one's ever loaded guns over this <laughs> exactly yeah nobody's going into pizza shops and shot innocent people right because there's dinosaurs which is interesting because whereas a lot of conspiracy theories are often connected with very radical groups or like militant groups. When I was looking into this stuff, all of the websites I were finding were like the opposite. It was very, oh, yeah, hi- it was very hippie, very like flower child kind of stuff. People who just want to believe that there's this peaceful, amazing place that's better. It's just like here, but everything is better and it exists below our feet if we could just get there oh yeah and jumping to two weeks ago when we were talking about creepypasta which is a very new form of storytelling popping up that's creating the new school of myths this is the old school this has been around for millennia you're absolutely right and i we'll mean keep rolling yeah it, it's really specific mythology doesn't have a very long lifespan anymore, but this one seems to have outlasted most of them. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the other ones we share as stories or someone else's myth, I think you're right. This is still very much our myth. Whether we each believe in it wholeheartedly or not, it's a part of our canon. It's a part of our daily things that we know about as fun stories to tell. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And if you do believe in Hollow Earth, Contact us. We are not jerks or bullies <laughs> by any stretch of the yeah, imagination. Yeah, if you, if you got some science to back it up, we would love to be proved wrong. Yeah, so that being said, uh, Nick, tell people where they can find us. Oh, I sure stuff. will. So you can find us at aoepod.com. On there, we actually have a, a connect page where you can fill out a little form, send us an email, or you can email us directly at ageofenfrightenment at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know your thoughts on this episode. Let us know ideas for other things that maybe we should talk about. And just let us know what you think of the podcast. We'd love to get some feedback. Yeah. So you can find us there. You can also find us on Facebook. Just look up The Age of Enfrightment. Pretty simple. You can find us on the streets where we run that shit. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on Twitter at AOE underscore podcast. And finally, and the thing that we are always very excited to share with people is you can find us on iTunes. Look up The Age of Enfrightment and in, and subscribe so that you get us every single and time we release a podcast. By the way, in reference to iTunes, if you like this show and you want to support it, more people will find us if you leave us a positive review on iTunes. Uh, so, you know, if you could leave us a five star if you like us. 
and give us a description, we reach more and more people. Uh, you know, that ball is completely in your court. So we would greatly appreciate it if you could review us on iTunes. Yeah, that would be great. And as always, thanks uh, for listening to this episode and every episode. I, I had a blast with this one. I liked going this into the, good one. Yeah, I like I liked this. going into this without a lot of information because I feel it's always exciting when we get not only to do these things in person, which we're doing now, but also do these things where we're genuinely educating each other on really cool ideas. All yeah. right. So, all right. Let's call this sucker. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was good.